Hi, and welcome to the C-Suite Perspective Podcast, where we talk about systems and processes. My name is Chris Gilseth, and I'm the COO of Amazatic Solutions, an agency that develops apps and custom software solutions. The mission of this podcast is to bring together experienced leaders so that we can share ideas and together elevate the industry. If you want to be a guest on our show or know somebody that's a good fit, go to go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. That is go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. I love learning from people with experience, and I hope that for our audience, it will be something where they can take away a lot of a lot of good things as well. Thanks so much. I'm excited. Ever, ever since we got this uh, calendared up, I've been looking forward to it. So uh, hoping to unpack some things here and have some fun along the way. Exactly. So this is, this is just kind of give the audience a little bit of a, an intro about you. So... Jeff is the president of Rightshore, which is an insurance agency. And he's also an author of two books. One is a bestseller, The Art of the Insurance Deal. And the other book is How to Best Your Insurance Company. And then he also provided a lot of other content, magazine articles and so forth on how to uh, essentially make sure you, you pay less for your insurance, but get the coverage you need and so forth. That's yeah, yeah, a short sorry. one, but I want you to fill in the gaps there. <laughs> yeah, no. So we fancy ourselves, uh, like anyone in this uh, day and time, as an insurance technology firm, right? So we just bring to bear uh, all kinds of new technology, be it from artificial insurance to chatbots um, to multivariate rating-based algorithms to, to, to help consumers beat the insurance company, right? Because when you mention the word insurance, people's eyes glaze over and like, yeah, this is not going to be fun. But, you know, we teach consumers and, and listeners to your audience that if you think, if you just pause, stop, think a moment, how much you're going to spend on insurance in your lifetime, it's an insane amount of money. It's six figures, and in some cases, seven figures. It's a significant portion of your income. Uh, and, and we know everyone doesn't want to spend time on it, but that's what the books talk about, and that's what our technology does, is um, is leverage uh, that technology to help people save money. So, yeah, uh, long-winded answer, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, and, and I, I want to dive into a few more aspects of that, and maybe some aspects that are not very often talked about in, in that particular area. But, um, you know, the our podcast, the C-Suite Perspective, um, where we also a lot, a, lot, a lot of times talk about systems and processes, um, you know, from a, uh, a COO perspective that I am from with Amazonic, um, and we provide software development. And so technology is kind of our area. And there's a lot of systems and processes involved there. And so insurers may not be where people think like that's a piece of a process or a system that that is considered for our business. And, and I know you guys do business insurance. Um, and so two of the things that I think would be interesting to cover today is, one, how does insurance fit in for a business part, as part of their systems and processes? And two, um, one of your books talks of, or the, the, the book with uh, the art of the insurance deal, you talk a lot about the um, kind of buying and selling of insurance companies and, and essentially mergers, mergers and acquisitions. And so 
I'm sure there's lessons there that people either, whether they are in insurance or not, can learn from, from the processes that you take advantage of it in that aspect. So which one of them do you want to start with? Yeah, all of them. Let's unpack them all. Man. <laughs> no, no, when, when I think of your listener, right, um, and the subscribers to your podcast, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, uh, ransomware and cyber insurance, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. you, you want to, to, to vet out any malicious activity and then to confirm, validate to the CTO or the CIO or whatever that, that you're secure from these type of attacks or, or um, infiltrations, right? And so what, what if something happens? And then there is insurance for, for those kind of items, right? Uh, ransomware, ransomware <laughs> cyber insurance, uh, things like that, uh, products like that. Um, there's another piece, um, that, you know, my latest book, uh, which uh, it's a small pivot here, but I just got a, a thing from Amazon that it is number one, too. And so I'm super happy. It's only been a couple of weeks, but it's about tech enabled, tech forward and tech shackled. And since you're, you're, your audience is in that tech space, we'll call it, or the technology space, um, this is kind of relevant. Now, it is focused on the insurance space, but I would submit to you and your listeners that it's very relevant industry in any industry across, across many industries. And it's based on this premise that so many executives, so many chief technology officers, so many leaders um, in the attempt to better themselves, increase profit margins, and enhance the customer journey, adopt all kinds of new technology all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what uh, I, I posit in this book is um, there are three things to think about so you become more disciplined and get the right technology. Because just going out and getting new code or getting a sprint put together a team and designing new code or subscribing to a new software as a service platform may make you feel techy and tech forward and maybe tech enabled. But if you don't do it for the right reasons or have the right end in mind, you can quickly become tech shackled. Anyone listening to this has an example. Raise your hand if you've dealt with a company that was wonderfully awesome, easy to do business with, and then they introduce some new tech platform and then turn your hand into a fist if you want to punch them with me. You know what I mean? I mean, it just, yes. it, this happens all the time. And so I just, uh, again, submit that if you're integrating technology, and most of your listeners are, that you ask the question, is this, you know, is this make us tech forward? Does this tech enable us or does this tech shackle us? And because so many times we're trying to get the answer for the chief executive officer or the, the technology department's trying for a solution, but they haven't really integrated the consumer as part of the journey or the users, right? Or the vendors who are going to interact with that. And that's when things fail. And so that's another very long-winded answer, but it's, you know, it ties in really well with my new book. So I get to talk about that, but it's also relevant for your audience, I think. Well, I think it absolutely, absolutely is. And I've seen many examples of that where things have been much more, made much more complicated. And I think sometimes uh, it's done in the light of, like you said, we're, we're showing that we're tech forward, or at least that's what we're trying to do. Um, a lot of times, too, was just because you can build something, so you have an internal team or you hire an agency like us, just because doesn't mean you should build everything. I, there, there's got to be reason behind it, and there should be uh, some thought to uh, 
um, usability, for example. I mean, that's one big thing that that I personally uh, get both hung up on when I use other people's software, but also in our own processes designing for our users that I make sure that you know we we provide solutions we go through and we, we make sure that it is intuitive. And we have built a platform uh, with uh, not for a client, but but um, for one of my own companies, and that is a, a software as a solution platform. And uh, and as I did um, in preliminary interviews with the uh, the industry that I was getting into, um, I knew there were competitors. I knew there were softwares existing in that industry, and I talked to one guy who. Um, was at a corporate level and he said he had spent over 200 hours learning probably only about 10% of the software. And he dreaded the day that he had to teach somebody else to use that software. And then I showed him what I had in mind. He's like, that would take me 30 minutes, tops two hours, but probably not more than 30 minutes to learn the entire system. And that was with no videos, no nothing. It was just intuitive. And so um, that's what we focus on. And in fact, with that particular platform, I mean, people could have literally started to use it within five minutes of signing up. And that included watching a two and a half minute long video. <laughs> that's fantastic. Good feedback. Um, yeah, every industry is the same, right? Be it mine in, in insurance, we sell legal contracts, yours, technology and coding. Is is the message has to be forthright, simple, and easily digested. People are way too busy. We're driven by distraction, and if we can't digest it very quickly, then then we move on. The fact that the executive you were talking to had the time of two hundred hours and the the <laughs> discipline to do it speaks highly of them. But but most people, you're right, they would just run away or or uh, scrap the scrap the solution. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit more about that book and some other things you cover in, in that book. Because you, you talk about, you, I think you mentioned three different topics for that book, right? Yeah, yeah tech-enabled, tech-forward, and tech-shackled. And, yeah, you know, so you talk about the tech-shackled. Yeah, and so that is, um, you know, you adopt technology for the wrong reason, right? You you, you adopt it. Um, look, we a lot of companies are take private equity money or have shareholder things to shareholder deadlines to meet or uh, they need an earnings boost, right? Whatever it is. And so some new, really cool, shiny technology is a good presser, right? It talks a lot about stuff and it gets some, some good vibe and buzz. Um, but it may not be the right piece that's for your company, for your vendors or for your users or anything. It just satisfies one thing, a line item in a press release or something. And so it, it's easy to rush headlong, uh, dive in um, with the wrong technology, right? For the right reasons, right? To, 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 to carry the flag, this is, we've got something new, it's gonna make it better, faster, cheaper, greater shareholder returns. But it doesn't add any value to your users, your employees, um, or vendors. And so that's what we call tech shackle. Now you've got this great, big, nice, wonderful, maybe out of the box SAS, uh, software as a service, or it was developed, but you didn't give it the forethought, the discipline, uh, and get all of the feedback 
right along the way to make sure it was the right thing. Um, and I speak from from uh, experience, right? Having bought sixty uh, insurance firms and two insurance companies, I can tell oh, you. I bet a you bunch found your. <laughs> but you had your own challenges in merging well, all of the tech together with those. <laughs> yeah, look, if there's a way to do it wrong, I've, you know, unfortunately, I've done it wrong, right? And just uh, A, by being uh, uh, overconfident in my ability to diagnose what technology we lead, or B, by not listening to the, the, the people who are hired and experts in that because I go down my own path. So um, everyone is guilty of uh, of Ludditism or whatever, right? <laughs> not wanting to move forward. Um but if there's a way to do it wrong, I've done it. But it's also taught me as I get older uh, to, to be more open and think more with the end in mind um, on this journey, um, not just the consumer journey, but the tech integration journey, right? Yeah, it's interesting because I had a conversation just before this one where a lot of the focus was also talking about having the end in mind. And, and I'd like to know a little bit more because there, there are going to be some people, my listeners, that are in either current uh, merger acquisition process, or or they've been there, or they're going into it soon. And what are some of the tips that you would give them? I mean, you said having that in mind, but other than that, kind of practical tips as far as being able to assess the technologies that are used and how to merge it all together, uh, because. You know, using everything is probably not going to make sense. Uh, so you're going to have to make some transitions. So how do you go about doing that in a way that also benefits the users of the technology so that they're not overwhelmed by by all of a sudden having to learn a complete new system and so forth? Yeah, I can speak to that basically by just... Uh... Uh, channeling a fantastic failure of mine a few years ago. That's okay, okay right? <laughs> um, and so, I, look, we were integrating uh, one insurance company, four agencies, and a life insurance firm because we had acquired them and onboarded them. And uh, I wanted one version of the truth, right? That makes sense as an executive. You want one version of the truth throughout yeah. all the, the organization, the industry. And so, um, as was was pitched to me, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times if you're the executive, remember, people say what you want to hear, right, or validate what they know, think you want to hear. And I wasn't aware of that pitfall or not experienced enough. And so uh, everyone shook their head. Yes, this is the best way to go. One version of truth. That's what you want. Um, you know, 15, 18 months into it and, and many, many millions of dollars. Um, this was the absolute worst decision that could be made because if you went into our call centers or if you went into our finance operations, what you really experienced was arms crossed, heels dug in, and daggers being, you know, fed at you with your eyes, right? <laughs> because um, what, because let's speak just personally, right? I, I wanted one version of the truth across the whole organization and had not have it all cobbled together. I wanted, you know, all four screens in my office to show real live analytics of everything. Mm -hmm. And that sounded fantastic. Um, but that came at great sacrifice to organizational success just to please me, right? And that's very shallow, bad, horrible, not good thinking um, as, as a leader. Um, and so, you know, here we lost uh, many, many years, a year and a half and millions of dollars um, because an executive being, uh, let's just say, close-minded or simple-minded, right? Um, and so now, of course, having learned that very expensive lesson, we don't do anything. We don't integrate anything. We don't even talk to uh, uh, about a new platform until, you know, claims, 
finance, uh, and uh, that's different than accounting in some of our operations, billing, um, claims adjudication, or uh, just the, the vendors that get on. We, unless we have them all in a room and storyboard or whiteboard all this, we don't even go to step two. And that's a very valuable lesson um, because, again, what uh, what I wanted, which I thought was accurate, one version of the truth, uh, turned out to cause more headache and heartache and destroyed our culture. It took a while to build that trust back. So there, there's a, oh, there's a that, personal failure. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing that and being kind of vulnerable in that sense. And and I think you're touching on a very, very good point there because not, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you focus more on in your answer there on what you just said. You destroyed your culture. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times you lost millions of dollars, but that didn't seem to be the hardest part for you. And I, I think a lot of times, you know, the organizational aspect, the culture, those things are much harder to build back than, than getting some lost money back. And, um, and and so you make some very, very good points there. And I hope people are, are listening and taking notes on this. So you said that you, you go at this, you kind of wait it out a little bit, then you do a whiteboard session. Then what? Yeah, so everyone's got their, you know, now we have teams of, uh, I think they call them brands and scrum masters and all. This. <laughs> I'm a little out of that part of the loop. So uh, more of a novice than, than, than most of your listeners, uh, well, probably all your listeners. But um, and then we apply the discipline to it. Right. And we ask the hard questions. Um, and the hard questions are um, to make sure that we don't uh, endure this again, that nobody says yes just because they think it's what their boss or the boss's boss or the big guy or the big lady wants to hear, right? Speak the truth, be radically candid about how it impacts you. Um, now, don't be just the negative person all the time. You got to bring some positive energy to it, right? Because if you're just the person right. that says no to everything, well, that's your brand. And when you earn that brand, don't be surprised if you're one of the first ones to be let go. So you got to be a realist about this. Um, but but don't also just be a yes person, yes man, yes woman. Uh, be, be radically candid about um the opportunities and the successes it can present, but what your fears and insecurities are. And I think, you know, we talked about, you talked about the money early. The most important asset any company has are its humans, right? It's people, mm -hmm. right? And we have a balance sheet with cash and some technology and some goodwill stuff. But the most important thing in any company are its humans. That's the biggest part of the asset. And you have to make sure that they have enough faith and trust to give you that answer, even though it might not be something you want to hear, you can avoid a lot of heartache later. So that's just all from very painful and uh, uh, hard learned lessons along the way. So what would you say or what do you do to solicit that openness in the employees? Because it is somewhat of a, a cultural barrier almost uh, to get people to not say yes just because that they think that's what the boss wants to hear. Yeah, everyone has their own uh, way to deal with this. My, my personal thing um, is just to pivot straight to them and say, hey, Chris, you're in this chair now, or Joe, you're in this chair now. Uh, you're the CEO. Um, what's your decision? Are you going to make that decision? You have shareholders to answer to. You have uh, CIOs, CTOs. You have you know, layers of divisions to answer to. Or maybe it's small. Maybe it's eight or 10 people. What's your answer? What, what, what would you do if you were me? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and now 
then I would challenge their decision. Well, I would, I would do it. Well, why would you spend that much money, Chris? Why does it make sense to you? And get their buy-in. And quite typically, the first answer that bubbles up is going to be what they're thinking, right? The, the pro or the con. And so right. put them in the seat. Give, give them that hat. Um, I also, this was important. I learned this uh, at a, a uh, charity board I served on. Um, a great, fantastic board uh, chairman there. Um, and he always gave everyone the gavel of dissent. You have to give everyone the gavel of dissent to disagree with you um, with impunity, right? You will not be punished for this. And it's okay to disagree. Just validate why you're disagreeing. So I think I think giving every member of the 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 board or or the the committee or the team that's on this the gavel of dissent is is pretty powerful. It takes longer because you got to work through stuff and there's emotions involved, but it's it's for the best. Yeah, it reminds me. Um, I have a friend that's um, a business consultant who uh, works with companies to kind of help them more accurately pinpoint what they stand for. And it could be, you know, company-wide or could, could be a particular department or um, I remember if you did it for a hotel once, they were bigger, part of a bigger hotel chain, but they figured out what, what their hotel stood for and, and kind of what they, as in all the employees, not just the management, but all the employees could like wake up in the morning, say this thing, and they're like, be like excited about it. They're part of it. And and one of the things he did to make sure that he, it's, it's long what, what you're saying, which is why it made me think of it. He had the boss or the executive be the last one to speak because he knew that if he, if the executive was the first one to speak, everybody else would say similar things that were in line with that because they thought that that's kind of well, where we need to head or, or they want to please the executive or whatever. And so he had everybody else talk first. And it was really powerful. I was with him in a couple of sessions observing this. And it was really, really cool to see how the dynamics come out on that and, and building kind of that, that process for figuring who they are, are uh, in that aspect. Yeah, that's some very good counsel, very wise advice, too. So I'll, I will probably uh, write that down after this and start trying to integrate that in my life. Because, because you're right, right? Everything else is just a mirror of what they think you're supposed to say. And that that's not progress. That's not innovation. That's not moving forward. That's clonism and cronyism, right? So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's powerful. Ah. So tell, tell me a little bit. So you recovered kind of the... The one topic in the book, but you also talk about tech, um, tech enablement and being tech forward. Yeah, and so I just differentiate them in my book that says, look, every everybody wants to be kind of tech enabled. And that is um, you're doing kind of what everyone else does, right? So if you're a, a dentist or a doctor's firm, hey, you now text clients uh, for their appointments and you remind them, right? Or if you're mm -hmm. a, an insurance firm, you now stand up a website so they can get a billing inquiry or look at stuff. And so you're kind of tech enabled, right? But that's not tech forward. That's very different than tech forward. That's not leading edge, right? Or we could back up and say, yeah, you email clients uh, when their appointments do, or you email them about their eye appointment, but you don't text them or SMS where everyone really wants to live anyway on those kind of things. And so to pivot from tech enabled to tech forward, it may be as simple uh, as enabling SMS, which you, you'd be amazed at how many people, firms, companies 
still don't even text stuff, right? In, in this day and age, it's 2021, man. And for, for whatever reason, their database, their software, their platform doesn't integrate with Twilio or any other thing, right? That gives you that power in SMS. Um, and so they may be tech enabled because they can send emails or newsletters, but they're not tech forward. In our space, um, tech enabled means you have to give customers the ability to do a chat bot and do kind of all, everything uh, on a website. Tech forward for us is, um, look, the future in our business is uh, figuring out a way to ensure all these um, these uh, marijuana and cannabis distributors and growers because it's exploding and insurance wasn't really made for that, right? So it's crafting right. legal contracts for that and delivering it in a mobile uh, environment or on, on a website. That's kind of tech forward. Autonomous vehicles, uh, drones, all of these things that aren't um, really in the mainstream, when you think about insurance, you think auto and home, but these products are out there. Nobody really owns that first place position. You have to develop tech, technology, to be forward and be first place in this space. Um, and, and whatever technology that means you adopt, you have to. In our own call center, we fully integrated artificial intelligence that's listening in and reminding our staff uh, especially if they're talking three to four minutes at a time, it just prompts them on the screen. You're monopolizing the conversation, ask an open-ended question or get feedback or the customer sounds confused or the customer sounds agitated, address that. And so it's not big brother NSA type artificial intelligence, right? It's listening for cues and signs and decks that we build along the way to enhance the customer journey. Now that's tech forward, right? Not everyone's doing that. So that's no, what I think most people are not. And I think it's brilliant because most times what happens is that you may have a, a sales manager that may or may not be listening quietly on the call and they can give you prompts. Well, that requires a lot of focus and attention. And, and one manager can't do that for all the uh, reps at the same time. It's absolutely true. In our own personal case, that happened, right? You keep hiring people to do this. You're going to be quality control for listening, consumer engagement, and agent feedback. And inevitably, right, um, what gets measured gets done. So if that's not measured, they quickly get distracted into doing something else. And the real goal mm -hmm. is improve the customer experience. And that is enhancing people's skills. Um, but you're right. It's very time consuming. But AI, artificial intelligence, can say, well, of the 15 benchmarks you have to hit on each call, you're only hitting 12, right? And what are they? And I'll tell you real quick some of ours, right? So at the end of every call, uh, our staff, we have a call center of 72 folks on the service side. They're supposed to ask the consumer how the experience was and if, are they okay to give us a review, right? To, to, to a Google review or whatever review or the website. Um, most of the people miss that because they don't want to ask, right? And so the right. AI the artificial intelligence will give you reports each day on which of the users are continually missing that. And now you can go back to that person, correct the behavior without destroying the person because it's not your bad, Chris. It's, man, you're hitting 14 out of 15 benchmarks. The only one you consistently miss is asking for a review. That one thing, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or if you're a what coach, it allows you to do too is if you see something that is consistent and missing across the board, you now know very specifically what the next training needs to be on. And so absolutely. you're not having training that is irre irrelevant to them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, very good point. I also like what you, you brought up because, I mean, that sounds like it's very tech forward, not just in your industry, but in call centers in general. 
Um, but I like what you also brought up with the whole aspect of you know drones and and uh, autonomous vehicles and all these things that are coming into place because a lot of times I think almost every industry I mean especially when you incorporate you know now AI and machine learning when you incorporate these things I mean every industry are now facing new opportunities as well as pressures as well as everything else going on from these outlying technologies um, and like you said in insurance nobody knew that they need to be prepared for a, an explosion in the cannabis space nobody had figured out that wait hold on a second we're actually going to have autonomous vehicles that means that there's going to be legal complications around that which means we need to have insurance that covers that somehow and so you know, people can can look at kind of what's happening around them and how is that going to affect, how is the tech forwardness of others going to affect us and what we need to do from a tech perspective to be able to stay ahead of the curve. So very good point. That's that's excellent that you brought that up because I I, I see it and I think some industries, I mean, that's what, what happens a lot of times with even bigger companies that are, going out of business because they're they're not looking at those cues and, and taking them seriously enough. And there's plenty of examples throughout history about those those companies. So uh, very, very good observation there. Um, when, when it comes to technology, I mean, you have experience, you've used a lot of different technologies. Um, what you did with AI there, I don't know if you guys built it yourself or if you if you kind of found a solution or whatever, but what are some what's a resource or a technology that you would recommend people use oh you've got me on this one i gotta gotta ponder and ruminate on this a bit so <laughs> <laughs> um because the default answer now because i'm so enamored with it and and the results and the the uh, roi on it uh, is the ai right um and, and it's not deep machine learning uh, we have to keep enhancing it right because we develop these scripts uh, it is an off-the-shelf kind of thing that we built our own decks around and, and we're enhancing it for our industry um so I, I think that it's going to be more prevalent in in every industry um i don't know how you would apply the ai and um you know, like in the programming industry or whatever, but on the voice recognition side, it's it's getting so good that, you know, we can detect when the consumer seems angry or frustrated, it's only going to get better. Um, I think um, if you just take, um, you know, like food tech and fintech um, and just, just take uh, the retail establishment as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. As I get let's just say older or longer in the tooth, I become less and less patient for negative interactions at the retail space with some uh, person who, who doesn't have the social skills to actually wait on someone, right? I, get, I become really, really not enraged, but I'm like, okay, does anyone, is anyone teaching these people skill sets, superior human relation skills? And I would just think that AI can do a lot of that because it can be watching on the screen this way as you're interacting with customers. It could prompt you at the end of the day, you need to work on eye contact. You need to work on smiling. You need to work on validating what the customer says. So I think AI has you know humongous uh, extravagant potential in any industry. 
I think where it can be most leveraged is in the service industry, giving people feedback. Because if you're in a retail space or a restaurant space, unfortunately, you're looking for people that can fog a mirror to help someone, but they don't have the skill set that's needed, right? And so AI can really help food tech or retail tech or whatever, uh, as I'm thinking, right? And, and, and I don't sell the, the AI. I'm just, I'm just a current user of it, and I love it. And I'm no, but, but you're right. I mean, there, there's definitely applications uh, along those lines. I know that, uh, for example, Kroger's, they use um, software to, to monitor the path that people take when they're in their stores. I do for a couple of different reasons. One, they map the most common paths so that when they have promotions or other things, they put them in the right spaces for you know, people to, to get more eyeballs on, essentially. Um, but another thing they do, too, is that uh, they have essentially alerts in the stores that that say, hey, there's there's buildup in, in the cash register lines. We got to get some more people into the cash registers. And, and that's why you have fewer long lines because they they monitor all these things and it, it all happens as one big, big part. And so that's just one example. It's not necessarily training people on how good they are at saying things in the interaction with the customer. Um, but at the same time, they are using some of those tools to at least improve the server experience of the customer while they're there. And so there are a lot of different ways that that it can be used, definitely. And even in code, like you asked about that, and there's it, it's super, super early on now. So it's still got a, got a ways to go. But I've seen a couple of examples where you have AI write snippets of code. And you can just imagine what that's going to do in the future. Uh, you're still going to have people that are needing to understand how to provide the inputs, how to uh, uh, build sound architecture and all these things. You're going to need developers for a long time for building all this stuff, you know, but, but it's, it's getting to a place where a lot of things uh, are, if not replaced by, at least influenced by AI in, in one way or another for, for good, you know, whether it's, AI in the form of, of process automation, or it's uh, AI in the form of deep learning and and uh, you know um, feedback in that sense. So, so AI essentially is what you're saying, and you get into AI. So, what yeah, that, that, <laughs> at that's least what I'm in with. It yeah, I, I wish I had more time in the day, right? Because uh, I I, uh, I can envision uh, so many avenues to implement. Just what we've done, and we've you know we've only been doing it about 22, 23 months, but it has consumed my life just because I'm enjoying it. And the feedback we have around the team about just improving and enhancing it, um, it it's just amazing. And it's not just us. Externally, uh, our biggest brand ambassadors, our customers that just call or interact with us, they tell everyone, how do you do that, right? It's like, I don't know if you have Chick-fil-A where you're at, but always if you go through Chick-fil-A versus yeah. everyone else, everyone in that is, is so enamored with the experience, right? And it's literally just a pivot of a few phrases that they do different. It's my pleasure or whatever. But when you can deliver, you know, that exceptional experience consistently and replicably between employee one to employee 100, then people take notice. And that's what yeah. the space we're in at, at my firm, right? Sure. They're like, how, where do you get these people? Uh, and, you know, it's, we have our, our brand ambassadors are our policyholders and, and not to take anything away from our staff, but AI is what's powering that in the back and behind that. So, 
yeah, exciting. Well, it makes me even think of, you know, um, in marketing, it says that you typically need six to seven touch points uh, before some from somebody gets to know you to they become at least an interested prospect. I recently heard, and I don't know if this is across all industries or just in certain sectors, but um, I heard a, a person that was is very well established in marketing and does a lot for different companies talk about how it now has increased to 16 touch points. And so if you think about it that way, and you think about the massive amount of effort that would take for manual labor to reach out 16 times to every single person that you want to try to get into your business, that's a lot. Yeah. And so it's, it's overwhelmed, right? But with AI, you can set up processes and you can have, you know, 11 out of those 16 be completely automated yet personalized to an extent so that it is relevant. It is a personal touch point. It is consistent. It is all of those things that you need. And then you have the humans take care of, you know, the important aspects of that interaction when, when it actually comes to conversations, when it comes to, you know, structuring a deal, whatever that might be. The fulfillment part of it is what we think, right? You need the humans right. to, to get it to that last mile fulfillment piece. Um, in, in most cases, there is a large section of consumers who want to do everything themselves, even on the insurance side. They don't want to talk to anyone. Uh, they just want to do everything on their own. So that, that happens. But yeah, I, I, I agree. With, uh, everything you said resonates with me. Well, and you brought up another point now, too, where, you know, for the ones that are wanting to do it all on their own, um, it, it, the tech forwardness there is enabling them to to be able to do that, but also enabling them to, if they get stuck, be able to reach somebody. Yeah, yeah always have to, even in our chatbots and our phone systems and our, uh, our AI, anything we do, you have to be able to opt out to the human, right? And everyone knows the trick of press zero or one or whatever, because they don't want to talk to the machine. Don't put them in Voicemail hell, as we call it. Don't put them in the penalty box. Give them a human, right? Give them a human. If they're a client of yours and you're generating revenue on it and you understand how money moves through your organization, make sure a human can be there when they're needed. So it's a very, very, very good takeaway. You know, it makes me think that it would be interesting if a lot of the phone trees that people call into, if instead of, if, if it, instead of being like, listening to dial one for dial two for dial three for etc and like you said everybody knows if you dial zero you get to the to the to the receptionist anyhow so you just do that right away right in most cases some have changed those numbers it doesn't always have to work but what if they did something where they start out and say if you know what you want and you just want to go this pro through this process on your own dial one if you need to talk to a human person or want to talk to a human person, dial two. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> it's true, right? It's, give them that decision point point right up front. We um, Just an interesting thing because I find it fascinating. We get great feedback from it. We removed every touch tone from our phone 2007. Understand that's 14 years ago, right? And so now... You removed um, it at that time? Yeah, 2007. That is interesting because a lot of people haven't even implemented it until like 2017. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, I, and I have you know all the charts. We press one, two, three, four. If you know the extension, press five. We removed it 
um, based upon, you know, we've always been fanatical about the customer experience. And so basically, you know, we have employees in um, Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, Mexico, uh, 14 different states. We have staff everywhere. But our phone system is set up that if they call, they get a human, no matter where, right? There's no button to push. It just says assistance is moments away. And it's very expensive to cross-train everyone to be able to be ready to answer, right? 50% of the questions right as soon as Chris calls and not have to transfer them. Um, but it's very, very valuable because when you have you know, a decent-sized company where hold times are less than 60 seconds and you get a human, it's a phenomenal experience, right? So, yeah, I... Uh, uh, just just focused on the human experience, the human element. Well, I think that's an advantage technologically too, because that is one piece where a lot of people, I, I, you know, from a consumer perspective, I've heard a lot of people talk about them missing that element where they feel that they're just stuck in this endless loop of, of machine voices and, and, you know, buttons to press or whatever, and where it's really, really hard to get to a human um, instead of actually spending the, the time and there's technology involved because it's the training it's the uh, standard operating procedures there's the the actual tech that runs you know the, the phone lines that that makes it possible to route it that way so the whole time is is uh or the wait time is short and uh, and you get to that human person um they're all part of the same they're all part of the technology they're part of the processes that you guys have built up and and uh, I'm sure you constantly monitor that too to make sure that it stays in line with what the goals and visions you have for that. So, yeah. Well, this has been a great pleasure to talk to you, and and I've I've gotten away with a lot of lot of new information and good good wisdom here. And so I hope all of our all our listeners have too. Um, I want to ask you one last question before we uh, end this up, unless there's something you want to share first that, that we haven't covered that you feel we need to cover. No, I feel honestly that you filled my brain up with all kinds of good ideas too, right? Things I need to take back and some, some good data points that we talked about. So uh, no, uh, the feeling is mutual. I've, I've gained uh, quite a bit from this conversation. So thank you. Hi, that's, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I, I want it to be mutually beneficial, you know? <laughs> So my last question to you is, how can people get in touch with you or with Reicher or whichever you want? Yeah, simple. My website is jeffarnold.com, jeffarnold.com. Uh, lots of free publications on there. Uh, granted, they're a lot about insurance, but they're about leadership. They're about changing corporate culture. They're all of that. But you just replace the word insurance with your industry, and I think it would it would uh, uh, be very similar or definitely resonate with you. Um, so jeffarnold.com, and then uh, the company site is Rightsure. It's R-I-G-H-T-S-U-R-E, and we'd, we'd love to have you visit. And .com, right? Yeah, .com, sorry. Yep. <laughs> and all your books, um, I believe they're all on Amazon, right? Yes, thank you so much. Uh, three bestsellers now, which uh, uh, shocks my Kentucky public school system teachers, surprises my mom, <laughs> and keeps my wife bewildered. So, yeah, very fortunate indeed. <laughs> well, good. Hey, Jeff, it's been a great, great pleasure. And uh, uh, maybe we'll revisit another time, too, uh, on the show. But I definitely want to revisit with you offline and, and uh, chat some more. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate the opportunity.
Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode of C-Suite Perspective. If you would like to be a guest on our show, go to go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. That is G-O dot A-M-A-Z-A-T-I-C dot com forward slash apply. And don't forget to hit subscribe to C-Suite Perspective Systems and Processes and leave us a review. Feel free to also share it with your friends and colleagues through your favorite social media channels. And feel free to reach out and connect via social media or go to our website, amazatic.com. That is A-M-A-Z-A-T-I-C.com. My name is Chris, and I thank you for listening to C-Suite Perspective, Systems and Processes.